Yes, you already know what time it is. Four minutes, four minutes past the hour of the morning machine, the machine that makes your mornings move. Once again, special thanks to Judge Parker for filling us in with some wealthy knowledge this morning on the real estate industry and TAP. And when I say TAP, I mean the TAP Training and Learning Academy. So you definitely want to make sure to uh, get to the website, tapacademyatl.com. And thank you for making the machine a part of your daily morning routine. And part of that morning routine means it's a power hour of mental health and mindset Monday. And this is the summer series presented by Paradigm Shift Marathon of the Mindset, the phenomenal book written by Coach Jarvis Jordan. You find it everywhere you can, especially on Amazon. Click the link, scan the QR code. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Okay. So. Let us start off in the mental health side, and she is no stranger to the situation. She has been on the morning machine before. We have talked with with her about Prince by Shelley. That should give you a clue. But she's also a licensed professional counselor as well. So I don't want to get too much into the bio because I want to make sure that we have enough time to conversate on the side of mental health today. So returning to the morning machine, she is the one they call Shelly Belly, owner of Prince by Shelling and licensed professional counselor, Rochelle Haynes. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the intro. I appreciate it. We, we even, even if I have abbreviated facts, I still go ahead and make sure to provide you an energy-filled introduction for every single person that comes through. And thank you so much for coming back to us on The Morning Machine. And we got a few things to talk about this morning. And uh, that thing we are talking about is social and emotional wellness. You have the floor. Yes, I am excited because I am training educators on the importance of social emotional learning because the emotional wellness of children is so important. And I think a lot of people state to state, it doesn't matter where you find yourself, everybody's talking about social and emotional learning and really what it boils down to is our emotional wellness. And everybody should know that we all experience a need for uplifting and we definitely have an opportunity to do the inner work And I think it's important to make sure that we're doing it every day, checking in with ourselves, our children, the people where we find ourselves. So the training I'm doing with adults really is to make sure that they can impart the wisdom to young people. So I am giving this for free. So your listeners are going to hear something that I'm offering for free, but I actually train Mm -hmm. people in person, whether it's clinicians or educators on social emotional learning and emotional wellness. Absolutely. It's nothing like free game. Nothing like free game, especially when you're talking about a a power hour on Monday morning. Yeah, free game is great. So everybody, if you tapped in, pay attention because she's going to give some gems. So let's talk about social and emotional wellness. For people who are not aware of what the definition is, what, what do we mean by social and emotional wellness? Really, it is tapping into the self and how we interact with other people. It's really paying attention to our, you know, feelings day to day, our relationships with other people, our responsible decision making. 
I took a lot of leeway from Castle. They have a great website if anybody wants to check it out. It's the Collaborative um, Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning um, Leaders. They did some groundbreaking research on social-emotional learning and really tapping into what we need to do in various environments in order to strengthen our wellness. And I think it's really important because I'm a certified school counselor as well as a licensed professional counselor, and I know that I get inundated with children who are struggling and do not know their why. Like, why am I hurting? Why am I feeling this way? And then I have teachers and clinicians who are not sure where to start. So social-emotional learning has been something that they're talking about in every single school district across the country. And a lot of teachers need to help be a part of it. But I think they're a little nervous because teachers are used to doing the academic work. Like, okay, I teach math, so I'm strength, using my strengths in math, and I'm doing lesson planning in math. But really, we need to start tapping into the wellness of our kids. So that's really where social-emotional learning came from. It's really equipping everybody with the ability to help support the wellness of others. You know, that's absolutely amazing, and a lot of us are not aware of that wellness. And so what are some ways that we can begin to be well? Because it may not work for everybody, but it may work for most. So what are some tips that we can start to get into our social and emotional wellness and be in tune with it? Yeah, so I'm going to start off with there's five competencies. So the first one is self-awareness, and it really means thinking about yourself, trusting yourself in situations, knowing your why. Like, why am I feeling this way? What is going around me? What's going on in my body? What's going on with my thought uh, patterns? And really uncovering the reasons for your feelings. Because sometimes, especially with children, you ask them, like, are you okay? Or how was your day? Or how are you feeling today? And their first response is fine. Like everybody's like, oh, it's fine. Because we're not really tapping into, oh, I'm feeling grumpy because I woke up on the wrong side of bed. Or I'm angry because I didn't get the response I wanted for a particular situation. So it's really labeling how we're feeling and having the room to express ourselves. There's um, a poem by uh, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and mm -hmm. it's called We Wear the Mask. And so much of what we're doing is concealing our pain, our trauma, our suffering. It's like we're fooling the outside world, and then we're expecting people to understand or know what we're going through, but we're not open enough to do the work ourselves to figure out, like, really, what are we dealing with and how we can really work through those feelings. So self-awareness is the first step. That's, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people miss that. They miss the opportunity to really tap in and say, how am I actually doing and feeling? And then what am I going to do with those feelings? So that's the first one. Mm. And then the second one really is managing your emotions. Like so many times we are emotionally imbalanced, right? We are feeling all the feels at one time and we're not controlling it. Like we're delaying our gratification. That's important. Being able to, you know, just not go and feel and react. A lot of what we see right now are people reacting out of their hurt or reacting out of their pain. They're not paying attention to their triggers and thinking like, what is bothering me and why am I feeling this way? So the emotional balance is really important. So I have like five little tips for emotional balance. I'll just throw this in there real quick. It's really acknowledging your triggers. What is bothering me? Why am I so bothered by it? 
what am I doing with those feelings? And then how am I going to react differently if I didn't choose the best reaction? And then the second one is being open to support. So many times we feel like we have to do this alone, but we don't have to. We have a support system if we kind of just look around and survey the room. We probably have a lot of people on hand to help to support you. And then, see, consider taking a break. Sometimes we really just need to step away and take a break from how we're feeling in that moment and then do a reset. It's okay if you get upset. You know, being angry is a natural emotion, and a lot of people feel like, okay, I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm not supposed to cry. I'm not supposed to be upset. We have these emotions for a reason, but we need to do what's called like a reset. And then coping skills is so important. I don't know if you have strong coping skills, but a lot of kids and adults don't have a lot of coping skills. What do we do with these feelings? Like, you know, going to sleep is sometimes what I hear a lot of kids say, oh, I was upset, but I just went to sleep. But those feelings are still present. So how are you going to overcome those emotions if you are not able to move past that anger feeling? Mm. And the last one for emotional balance really is to evaluate how you can respond differently. Your first reaction is pretty much how you feel. But then you also have to recognize maybe my reaction hurts somebody else or it's hurting me. So can I recover from those feelings of hurt that I have contributed and respond differently? An apology can go a long way. So those are yeah. my emotional balance tips. When it comes to social and emotional balance, a lot of us in our community, African-American community, find it difficult to even start those steps. You know, the best way to become aware is to is to start, is to actually mm-hmm. want to find out. Why is it that most of us in the African-American community are turning the other cheek when it comes to our awareness of social and emotional uh, wellness? I think sometimes we respond out of our own experiences. The third Mm -hmm. step is social awareness. So a lot of it is we respond based on what we know or what we have observed. And we sometimes also turn the other cheek because we feel uncomfortable. We don't know what to do with the projected energy that somebody might be sending our way, or we don't know what to do with those feelings that are put in the atmosphere. I think a lot of people struggle with being able to say, I don't know how to help because sometimes we're the fix-it people and we want to make sure that we're fixing the problem so we can move on from it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is something will not get fixed right away. So we have to also be aware of just being empathetic. You might not have the answer. It might make you feel uncomfortable, but being present in the moment with somebody makes the world of a difference. And that's hard for a lot of people because really I'm a fixer. I I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I tried to resolve the problem quickly so it'll go away. Um, But really we have to sit in it with somebody. Oftentimes we need to be there in that moment and being able to be okay with those feelings and stop dismissing it. Sometimes we dismiss it and that's that's hurtful for a lot of people because you feel rejected. Do you think that most in our African-American community dealing with social and emotional trauma, do you find, do you notice that it may be hard to get started because it may be generational? Do you think it can be passed down generationally? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of stuff that, 
we have not unpacked or uncovered and we just don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. or we're not sitting at the table with really deciding what it is that's really going on within mm-hmm. our spirits or why we feel this way. So it, it, it's definitely generational. It's, it's very hard to get people to make that decision to be open to resolving some of these issues. Um, I remember back in the day, a lot of people say, oh, I don't go to counseling. I go to church. Like, and that's still a thing that a lot of generations are talking about. We're not you know, going to counseling. Counseling has shifted a lot. I think one thing that happened with the closures, we see an uptick in people going to counseling. We see an uptick actually in insurance companies permitting counseling in different forms, whether virtual or in person. Those are both, you know, open because we need healing. Trauma has been something that has been in the forefront of black people forever. And if we're not talking about the trauma, then we're probably holding on to it and we're not able to move past it. So that's really where it becomes very hard. It's like, do we want to deal with it? Do we want to sit with those feelings? Do we want to move past it? Do we want to avoid it? We have to start with the self-awareness and decide what do we want to do with those emotions? How are we going to unpack it? And then how are we going to live with it? Because the trauma doesn't go away. It just gets easier over time. That's different because you said it doesn't go away. It just gets easier. And it's so it's so interesting. If we don't start, it doesn't get easier. That's the thing. Yeah, if we don't if we don't start at some point along our journey, then there's no way it can be easy for anyone, especially as it pertains to grief, because it may not have been a lifetime of trauma Maybe the first stage of grief, losing someone in near and dear in your family could trigger a social and emotional state of no well-being. And I say not well-being. Being, it takes time for somebody to really be able to grasp it, you know, really channel the emotions differently and put that energy towards something else which will end up being great in the future so how do how does one cope with that you can't tell anybody how to grieve or how long to grieve you definitely can't do that but what can be done is the development of the social and emotional wellness from that now, I've had to deal mm-hmm. with it as well, and I'm on mm-hmm. I'm on that uh, next phase of the journey as well as far as channeling emotions differently. And as Coach Jarvis would say, honoring them with how you move, honoring them by the the legacy that they 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 built, honoring them how mm-hmm. how with the work ethic the work that you put mm-hmm. in to be better at being better. So, mm-hmm. but it's hard for most. There's, there's it folks is. that grieve 30, 40 years yeah, yeah. and never start. Yeah. And, and yeah. A, a lot of people consider them to be stuck in their ways. So, but how can that change? I think the first place for change really has to be acknowledging that something is wrong. Sometimes 
we can't get past our own feelings to really say there's something going on here and I need to work through it. Mm -hmm. I think also we have a network of people around us who want to be there, but um, you know, it's very hard for people to know, like, I know you're hurting, but I don't know how to help you deal with these feelings. And if we're around and we're seeing our people hurting, sometimes we have to say, what is it that you need from me? I think that's a hard thing. We always try to do for people, mm-hmm. not recognizing what we need to do for them by just asking the simple questions. So if somebody's out there who's hurting and you're a friend who know that they're hurting instead of gossiping about it or instead of trying to make suggestions, why don't you say, what is it that you need from me? And sometimes somebody just says, I just needed you to be here. I just needed you to be here next to me, to talk with me, to give mm-hmm. me a hug. A hug can go a long way. I mean, you cannot, when it comes to grief, you, it, it's really hard to tap into somebody else's shoes um, because their experience with the grief could have rocked their world. It could have been something that's shocking. It mm-hmm. can be something that is totally unexpected. And then they're in panic mode. Like, I'm panicked because I, I, I'm at a loss. Like, I don't know what has happened mm-hmm. and why. And because of that, they're, you know, just shell-shocked. So, really, your presence just makes a difference. So, asking people, that's, that's the first step. And then a lot of times we don't have coping skills. And I know I mentioned it before, but we're sitting around and we're um, only having – you know, two emotions, either I'm turned up or I'm in the bed and there's nowhere in between. So I think really when you are dealing with social emotional learning and social emotional wellness, you really need to start thinking about what are the five things that fuel me and drain me. When you start really thinking about coping strategies, okay, when I'm having a bad day, I like to go for a walk. When I'm having a bad day, I like to listen to music. Like some of the things that fuel you, like music, riding a bike, talking to a friend, going to church, saying a prayer, um, going for ice cream, eating. I'm an emotional eater, so I like mm. to just grab some candy or sugar. It can just turn my world around, and then I can you know, keep going. And some people, they like to bake and do something kind to other people, mm-hmm. really tapping into the things that fuel you. That's really important because when you are down – and, it, and it's okay. Everybody gets down. That's the reality. Everybody gets down. You need to find some ways to lift you up. So when you need to be fueled, you need to have that um, that bag of tricks to get you over the hump of how you're feeling. That's major. That's, that's important. And a lot of people don't tap into that. Grief is very heavy. And I will say a lot of people when they're dealing with grief don't realize Sometimes people are saying, you need to go to counseling, and they're trying to force you to go right away. Yeah. And I can tell you that they recommend usually about three to six months before you really tap into some form of grief counseling. Mm. Because you're going through so many different emotions when you first start off with your grief. Mm -hmm. Really, you're going through the planning process of the person that you lost. You're going through the funeral arrangements, all the people who are around, and then the people leave. So there's all these roller coasters of emotions. And things don't start to settle down for after a while, and your new normal starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And really, when people go right away, <clears throat> excuse me, when people go to counseling right away, it's really not tapping into the things that they need. So usually grief counseling is good three to six months. So anybody who's out there grieving, <clears throat> excuse me, really consider taking your time and making sure you find a right resource that looks the best for you, whether it's group or individual counseling. But give it some time, maybe three to six months, to find the right support. Absolutely. I, and you know what? I didn't even know that because, um, as we say, 
in our community, we have a tendency to try to rush people through grief because one may be tired of hearing this or man, you, you, you crying all the time, man, that was like 30 years ago. But you know, after a while people become desensitized and you know, all of a sudden it's like, uh, it almost comes off as telling someone how to grieve in that particular point. And that's where a lot of the heavy forcing into therapy or counseling really comes in because someone else is tired of hearing it or they're getting some adverse reactions from that the other person may not be aware of. So it it can go different ways here. Um, and, and that's interesting, but you, but three to three to five, three to six months is usually the average time where, you know, not everybody's going to do it, but normally that's when you start to get into the next phase. That's on average, you would say, correct? That's when I would say most people start to move towards the point of wanting to seek help because, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's time to have those conversations that you, you don't want to have. And sometimes when you're living life and you're like, oh, man, it's, it's my birthday or my birthday is coming up and this is a moment that I really cherish with the mm-hmm. person I love. So now these new emotions are coming uh, to fruition that you hadn't even considered. What is life without the person that I cherish? So, you know, as you're going through life, that's why, you know, they say three to six months is a good time to really start to seek after that help because there's these new experiences that are hard and you're reliving that pain all over again. Absolutely. And finally, before we wrap up, what is the best advice that you have for someone who is not aware of their social and emotional wellness? Oh my goodness. So, well, I'll tell you this, the five key components are, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship building, and responsible decision-making. So those are like the five major components. I didn't even get to all of them, and that's how the conversation goes with you. Um, And I love it because we talk about so many wonderful things. Yes, we do. (laughs) Um, So I will say the first thing to really tap into is our inner work, ourselves, like really acknowledging how we're feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. What are we doing with those feelings? Living in a mask is is the hardest thing. We all know it because we physically lived in masks for quite a while, and some people still are because there's, you know, fear of what's going on outside, the airborne type things that are happening. But the inner mask that we're dealing with has a tendency to, you know, wreck our spirits because we're not being our true and honest self. And I'm telling you from my own experiences, there's been relationships that I've been in personally um, with friends and um, in other relationships in my life where I haven't been able to be myself. And when you're not able to be yourself, you are really putting on, and it's not a helpful thing Absolutely. because everything went helter-skelter for me. I will tell you that. So I am better for being able to be true with my feelings. Um, your friends might feel uncomfortable for a little bit because it's like, who is this new person who's emerging? But really it is taking the time to say, okay, I need you guys to understand the true and genuine person that you see before you needs to be able to feel these feelings and making aware of how you're feeling. Um, and then I, I still love you. I'm not different. I'm just being able to express myself in ways that I haven't before. 
and let's talk about it. Let's have deeper relationships uh, with our people around us where we're really aware of self and um, our why and who we are in this world. Absolutely. Where can we find you, follow you, and connect with Prince by Shelley? <laughs> well, my website is princebyshelley.com. I'm offering a lot of um, tips and resources to help support people in the classroom and clinicians as well. So jump on my website. You can also email me at info at princebyshelley.com. And I'm really active on social media. Um, Dear Shelley Belly is the name of one of my middle school books. Um, so that is actually the name of my Instagram page. So at Dear Shelly Belly is where you can find me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving us some great conversation this morning. Man, it's been a morning of some great, rich conversation and information this morning. And thank you so much for that. Uh, we definitely need to be aware of our social and emotional uh, well-being. Everybody, um, especially in our Everybody. community. So yes, thank you so much for that wisdom and information this morning on the mental health side of this power hour of mental health and mindset Monday summer series presented by paradigm shift marathon, the mindset, the phenomenal, and I say phenomenal, I mean it phenomenal book written by coach (laughs) Jarvis Jordan. Yes. Hey, look, I read it. I read, yeah, I read it again and again and again. It will change the trajectory of where your life stands now. I can George Foreman guarantee it. We don't even need a grill for it. That's what I'm going to say right there. With that, uh, once again, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to hear you back again real soon. So much yeah. appreciated for the information this morning. Absolutely. Have a great day. Happy Monday.